Hello, my name is Angela Silva and welcome to my podcast, Being Human. Thank you for being here. Thank you for tuning in. This is the first ever episode of Being Human. So I hope to speak about what all of the other podcasts are going to be about, give you a general picture of what all of the other podcasts are going to be about and what to expect. And also to introduce myself. Um, So my name is Angela Silva. I am creating a podcast called Being Human. And the three aspects I think are the most important aspects of being human, the fundamental aspects of being a human being are your mind, your body and your soul and soul we can interchange with the word spirit or consciousness all of them I believe I hold to mean the same thing so we all have a mind we all have a body and we all have our consciousness our essence our presence that lies behind the mind who we really are and those are the things that I want to talk about and discuss on this podcast so I'll start with a little bit of relevant information about me so I started my journey my first ever career was in fitness. So I was a personal trainer. I started off just working on a gym floor and picking up clients on the gym floor in a commercial gym. I moved to a fancier gym and then I moved to being self-employed as an online coach. So I worked primarily online from home and then picked up some more personal training again because I really enjoyed teaching. It was always very rewarding for me. I loved teaching people in person. I love and still love interacting with people and talking with people. And it was an incredibly rewarding job for me. I absolutely adored it. I was working towards a bodybuilding goal personally. So I wanted to compete on a bodybuilding stage, which involved being very meticulous and having a lot of discipline. I invested time and money into coaches. So I had three separate coaches throughout my time in the fitness world, in the fitness arena, in the bodybuilding niche. I had three different coaches, each of which were all incredibly knowledgeable and gave me a lot of insight, a lot of information that I then passed on to my clients. So I hold a wealth of knowledge about growing muscle and losing fat and about nutrition and about how to look after yourself and how to be fit and about training people. I would write nutrition plans and training plans and have weekly check-ins with them. And it was a great job. It was a great time. I always thought it would be a profession that I would be in for the rest of my life in some capacity or another, moving on maybe from coaching to doing talks and running fitness retreats maybe I'd always thought that it was something I would remain in forever so when I started my own business I didn't imagine that I would be closing it less than a year later so I was online an online coach for just under a year and then just before the year anniversary of my business I decided I would close the business and it wasn't because it was unsuccessful it was actually really successful which made the decision harder but what was happening was that I'd begun to work at my mind, work at my mind. I'd begun to unravel my mind and work on myself and start to understand myself. And as I did this, I realized that the roots of my bodybuilding interest were rooted in dissatisfaction with myself and some anorexia issues that I'd had as a teenager that I'd never overcome. And because I started to unravel that and heal that, my interest in bodybuilding waned and I decided that my passion and interest didn't lie in this arena anymore and therefore the service I was giving to my clients started to decline naturally as it would because my passion and my heart wasn't in it anymore and I was trying to give them the best service but 
I was, because I was trying and forcing myself to show up in the way that I had been showing up for them before, I started to feel resentful towards the business and resentful towards running it. So I decided that obviously the best thing to do would be to close it. And I didn't know what the next steps in my life would be. But all I did know was that I was having, going through these huge changes that I hadn't anticipated. And therefore it was the right step for me to, to close the business and to pursue something else so what I'd begun to experience in the beginning of the year that I decided to close the business was learning about myself and having different experiences with my own consciousness and learning about expanding and unfolding my consciousness and learning about myself through meditation and through journaling and learning about what the mind was and how the mind has a grasp on us and all of those things started to gradually become of more interest to me and I started to become more passionate about those things than I was about the body and about fitness. So I decided to close the business and move more into that realm of knowledge and learning. So that's exactly what I did. Now my intention when I first closed the business was to immediately start another one. I did also start a podcast at that time as well. So that was May last year. I decided to start a podcast, um, which you can probably still find on Spotify, and it's called Angie's Ethereality. I was very uh, excitable then. I speak about a million miles an hour about everything to do with the brain, and I still had the same ambition, I feel, and the, the same sort of goals, but they hadn't been grounded, and I certainly wasn't grounded, and I wasn't ready to be sharing the things that I'm wanting to begin sharing with you now. So here we are on this podcast, Being Human, and I want to take these episodes to discovering and talking about everything that it means to be human so with the body talking about fitness and wellness and food and talking about the soul and consciousness and what being alive really means and arts and creativity and singing and dancing and grounding yourself and learning to love being alone and learning to love yourself and learning to meditate and what that is and what that means and what exactly is healing what is healing how do we engage in our own healing how do we grow and become better people and how do we enjoy that journey and how does it not feel like a chore and how do we integrate that into our everyday living and how do we start to peel back these distorted layers of perception that we have that have been built for us over the lifetime that we've experienced so I will explain that sentence a little bit more so the subconscious mind is responsible for 95 percent 90 to 95 percent of our actions our thoughts our feelings our behavior every single day of our lives which is an alarmingly high number and that can sound insane but what actually is the subconscious mind because that can just sound like something that you think oh okay cool like that sounds that is a high number yep okay but what does that really mean what is the subconscious mind so the subconscious mind is made up of every single thing that you've ever experienced from the moment you're born up until this present moment which is a lot of stuff depending on how old you are but even if you're not that old it's still a lot of stuff it's a lot of things that you've experienced because we're talking about every feeling you've ever had, every thought you've ever thought, every word that's ever been spoken to you and every word that you've ever said and every time that you had your authenticity suppressed. So let's talk more about that point. So when we are children, we are just expressing ourselves authentically because we don't know any different. So we're just being ourselves. We are just pure. We are, we are our pure consciousness. We don't have this 
the the mind the subconscious mind isn't as strong then it's not developed it develops between the ages of naught to seven so we are our own essence we are pure consciousness and the ages of naught to seven the subconscious mind develops and the subconscious mind takes in absolutely everything that is around at the time so it takes in the relationships that your parents have with each other. It takes in the relationship that you have with them and the relationship that they have with you. Any relationships that any siblings you might have have had, how they form those relationships with you and how they form friendships and relationships with other people. Everything that you're exposed to in that area you've taken in. You've taken in all of your conditioning and programming to do with money. So the money situation when you were a child has directly influenced the money situation that you have now and that's all stored in your subconscious mind. And the suppression of authenticity happens when we are just expressing ourselves as children because we express ourselves completely as we are and we don't know all of these rules that have been made up so there's things that we have innate knowledge about just like the spider is born with the innate wisdom of how to grow the web but and we are born with innate wisdom as well. We are born with intuition. We are born with innate knowledge about lots of different things, but we are not born with innate knowledge of rules that have been made up for us to follow. And what I mean by that is rules such as we can't, we're not allowed to draw on the wall and we're not allowed to pull the cereal out of the cupboard and tip it all over the floor. Now, this is just a child exploring and expressing themselves, but in doing so, they end up being told off by their parent, by their caregiver, by their sibling, whoever it is. And of course, that's what's required in order for a child to learn and assimilate how to behave in the society that's been created for it to behave in. So the child can't draw on the wall and the child can't take a cereal out of the cupboard and throw it all over the floor but rather than learning that as a specific rule when the child is told off what the child is learning is that they cannot express themselves and when they do express themselves they lose the love that they were given by the primary caregiver the sibling whoever it is that has disciplined them so the authenticity of the child is then suppressed. They know that when they're expressing themselves in that way, they are not going to get the love that they require from the person that's around them and therefore they're suppressing their natural expression. And this happens in lots of different situations, not just those two examples that I've given. But imagine a child is asking its mother for a cookie and the child gets upset that the mother says no and the mother gets angry at the child for being upset. What that child is learning isn't that it's not supposed to ask for a cookie near to dinner time what that child is learning is that angry children don't get love and therefore the child is less likely to then show their anger to that caregiver or express that anger because they know that when they're angry they get told off for being angry or when they're sad or crying or whatever it is that they get they're going to get told off for that so their authentic expression is suppressed and this is this causes what we refer to as trauma so I don't really like the word trauma because I feel that it draws pictures of abuse and neglect when that isn't what it is it's any time that especially during these this period of the age naught to seven where you had to suppress yourself your unconditional love wasn't met you had to change the way in which you were behaving to receive emotion from someone to receive love from someone it's every single impression that you've ever got from your parents and your siblings and whoever it was that was around you on how to behave and that builds a lot of who you express yourself as as an adult is all created through this time 
time. So when we think back and reflect on those years, the ages of naught to seven, our first seven years as a human being, what comes to your mind? What environment was that like? How much love were you given? How much love did you receive from your parents, from your siblings, from anybody else who was around you? What was the money situation like when you were a child? What were, the, what were the relationships that you saw being formed? What were the bonds like that those relationships were based on? Because all of this shapes you. And not only from the ages of naught to seven, but this continues to happen to a lesser degree throughout our whole lives. So any time that things have been said to us, any emotion that we've ever felt, any thought that we've ever thought has all shaped the way in which we perceive the world. So our perception is individual to us. Nobody shares our perception with us. That's ours. And it's all been shaped by everything that's ever happened. So you and I could be stood next to each other and we could be listening to a woman talk and I could think that that woman is rude and you could think that that woman's not rude and that woman's really friendly and we're having two completely different experiences even though what we're looking at what we're watching and what we're taking in is the same but our realities are completely different and that's because of the things that we've experienced throughout our life to give you another example you and I could be sat together and I, I'm i happy in silence. I don't mind sitting in silence with people. I like silence. So I'm perfectly happy, comfortable in the silence, but you could be feeling really awkward and like you need to say something and you don't like the silence and it makes you feel uncomfortable. So again, we're two people having very having the exact same experience but having completely different experiences at the same time and again this is because of our perception this is because of our subconscious mind this is because of the thoughts that we are having that are created by the subconscious mind so 95 percent of our life is provided to us by this subconscious mind which is full of all the things we've experienced in the past so everything from the past is dictating your future because it's telling you how to perceive, how to think, how to feel and how to act. Our thoughts produce our emotions which of course dictate how we feel and how we feel dictates how we act. So everything is controlled by and influenced by things that have happened in our past. I like to think of all of these things that build the subconscious mind as sort of layers or filters or lenses that are over the accurate picture of reality. So the reality that is happening outside of us gets filtered through our own individual lenses, our own individual layers, and that creates what we experience and what we believe to be true in our own reality. And some of these layers and lenses are necessary and some of these layers and lenses create distortion in what's really happening. And we see this in triggers. So a trigger is an elevated emotional response to a certain stimulus. So again, using the you and your friend or the you and I analogy, you and I could be watching something and I could be very upset and very triggered and angry about something that I've seen and you could have seen the exact same thing but really not be bothered or taken from your peace and that is because I have a trigger and I have that trigger because of something I've experienced in my past and that's why I have this elevated emotional response to it because something in my brain is telling something in my central nervous nervous system that there's 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 danger there's a need to defend there's a need to be upset there's a need to be in the fight or flight nervous 
nervous system, there's a need for that response when really there isn't a need for that response. And that's because there's something that is unhealed within us. So we get to the word healing now and the word healing, I feel, is thrown around a lot without a lot of context. So I saw the word healing and I thought, yeah, this is something I want to engage in. This is something I feel that I need. But it wasn't very clear what exactly it consisted of or what exactly it was or how exactly I got involved in it and what the benefits were. I just decided to kind of try and continue to research things on on YouTube and sort of carve my own path and find my own way. But it's different to sort of the fitness world when you start to get integrated into the fitness world or start to be interested in fitness. Yes, there's there's almost too much information, too much conflicting information that it's overwhelming and it can become difficult to even know where to begin. And with healing the mind, I feel like it's almost the opposite. There's not enough information and what's there is sort of unclear and only associated with certain groups of people or maybe seen as some sort of trend when really a trained mind is fundamental to a happy and peaceful human existence and there's no human that that's an exception to. There's nobody who kind of escapes that. We have to train our mind in order to have a healthy, strong mind just like we have to train our body to have a healthy, strong body. And there's no exception to that either. You don't, you can't have a healthy, strong body if you're not exercising and going to the gym. You're not, you don't just wake up one day muscular and lean and athletic you have to go to the gym and you have to work for that so if we want a healthy strong mind we have to go within and we have to create that for ourselves and once we start to create that for ourselves we see all of the benefits outside of us the way that we perceive the world changes and it changes in a positive way we start to unravel all of these triggers so that our life is more peaceful and we remain more conscious in all situations so as we start to unravel the mind and we start to peel back these distorted perceptions and layers of things that have happened to us in the past that are, that are dictating our future, we start to become more conscious. So this 95% number drops to 90%, to 85%, to 80%, and we start to become more conscious. That is, our consciousness is present within us. We are present within us. So we start to be able to consciously create and have conscious thoughts about what it is that we're doing and how we're behaving, rather than these subconscious thoughts that run our days and run our lives at the moment so the brain loves to be reflexive the brain loves to stay in the known the brain does not like things that are new that's why it's so difficult to cultivate a new habit or start a new routine because the brain doesn't like it the brain likes to remain comfortable the brain likes to remain subconscious so when we start to try and cultivate new behaviors what we're doing is creating a new neural pathway a new pattern of neurons that corresponds to the behavior that we're trying to instill into ourselves so the old behavior that's heavily ingrained it's like taking a pen and scratching the same pattern into a piece of paper over and over and over again on top of it until you've dug a hole through the entire notepad and that is our old behavior it's completely ingrained in us and then we take a fresh notepad and a fresh pen and we're really lightly drawing this new pattern of behavior but the old pattern of behavior is pulling the pen back to it magnetizing the pen over there because it's easier for the brain to repeat something that it knows how to do it's easier for the brain to stay with what it knows and it's hard to cultivate a new habit it's hard to stick to the new habit it's hard to stick to the new behavior but when we learn 
more about the mind, we learn all of these different ways in which we can start to instill new habits besides repetition of that habit. So what we can do is visualize. So the subconscious mind does not know the difference between fact and fiction. So if we visualize something and when we're visualizing that thing, if we can also start to feel the emotion associated with the thing that we're visualizing to our brain and to our bodies, that's exactly the same as you actually experiencing that. So let's say, let's use the gym body example again. Let's say that you're wanting to go to the gym and you're wanting to stick to a new diet. You're wanting it to be a new, fitter version of yourself, but your neural pathways are carved in for you not to go to the gym, for you to eat food that's simple for you to cook, that's easy for you to cook, and your neural pathways are guiding you to perhaps not exercise what we can do in order to improve the way in which we are addressing this new this new routine and this new habit is to visualize ourselves doing it to imagine how we feel when we're in the gym to imagine how we feel at the end of the day when we've eaten really healthy food all day and gone for a walk and been and done some exercise and how that feels for us and in visualizing that it's just the same as actually doing that to your subconscious mind so we start to strengthen these neural pathways the neural pathways are wiring and firing and they are becoming stronger in your brain not only through the repetition but also through actually doing it so imagine you can do the the new habit that you want to embody but also you can visualize it too so you can visualize it twice in one day and do it once in one day and to your mind that's the same as doing it three times so there's different things that you can learn with the brain that is so powerful in changing how you behave and how you think and how you feel and how you act and if you start to change your thoughts you start to change your life so when we say things like oh, your thoughts create your reality. Often it's batted off as something crazy. How can a thought create a thing? That doesn't make sense. But of course it makes sense because your thoughts create feelings and your feelings your feelings create your actions and your actions create the world in which you exist within and what we hold to be true in our minds what we believe about ourselves consciously or subconsciously and let's again remind ourselves that the subconscious mind is responsible for 95% of our action and our thoughts and our and and everything I was going to say behavior but that's the same as our action so our subconscious mind is responsible for all of this and these things I cannot stress enough we are not aware of them so you can hold lots and lots of negative beliefs about yourselves that manifest as behavior that you are not happy with that you would like to change and the reason that that is happening is because of a belief a subconscious belief that you are holding in your subconscious mind that's causing you to behave like that and all of that comes from some root somewhere and this is what we unravel when we heal are are all the, the root causes of certain things so if your behavior that you're wanting to begin unraveling is being untidy or being unfit where does that begin in your mind what's caused that why is that happening for you why is this something that you are why is that a way in which you behave and what we come to discover is that the subconscious mind is dictating the way in which we feel about ourselves because of beliefs that we hold about ourselves and we just hold them unconsciously that we're not aware we're not aware of them and the first place to look is how you speak about yourself so we can say things absent-mindedly such as I'm messy I'm lazy I'm never on time for anything I'm fat I hate the gym I'm never going to lose weight and all of these things and you're literally 
actually programming yourself to then have that behavior. So we have to be careful with how we speak about ourselves and what we're saying about ourselves because the words that we say program us to behave in in that way. Our brain is no different from a computer. It's a supercomputer that's in our head and we can use it to our advantage by visualizing new behaviors and visualizing amazing things for ourselves and embodying these fantastic emotions that can change the way we behave and change the way that we feel and change the kind of life that we create ourselves but equally we can also engage in negative self-talk that then creates negative behavior that creates a negative life for us to exist within which then of course only encourages more negative self-talk and the spiral goes downwards because if you're telling yourself you can never be this and you can never be that that's manifesting as that behavior which then creates more of that for you which then means that you repeat it more and that just gets worse and worse for you when actually we can use the mind to our advantage by speaking positively about ourselves and this is how affirmations work so I used to see affirmations as completely pointless actually if I'm really honest with you I used to see affirmations on people's stories and just think what on earth if they put I am a something I am super I am amazing I am the best version of myself or something written on a story on Instagram over a picture of a cloud and I used to think what is the point it just seemed really fluffy and it seemed really kind of meaningless and pointless but what affirmations actually do for the brain is completely reprogram it so when you reprogram the subconscious mind because the subconscious mind is profoundly affecting the way in which we behave if we reprogram the subconscious mind through repetition with positive behavior then of course the behavior that starts to emanate out of us subconsciously is positive behavior so if you're telling yourself positive things you are this you are that you are really successful at your diet you love going to the gym you're really grateful that you've lost loads of weight if we can then start saying things like that again just using the the body example because that's been the prime example throughout the podcast then we can start to, rather than those new things that we're trying to cultivate, rather than those new routines and new habits that we're trying to embody, rather than them being a conscious effort, they then become easy. They naturally just come out of you. Before you know it, you're you're finding it effortless to do these things that you were once finding so hard, but because you've stopped telling yourself that it's so hard and you've stopped telling yourself that you can never do them, they become easy and effortless. And obviously this doesn't just apply to having a diet, going on a diet and having a nice body. This applies to literally every behavior that you could possibly want to bring in for yourself can be done through reprogramming the mind. And it's important to understand how pertinent it is to separate ourselves from our minds and separate ourselves from our thoughts so a therapist first said to me a few years ago you are not your thoughts and I didn't really know what that meant I didn't have any comprehension of it and it didn't mean anything to me and I think until we have this experience of being totally separate from our minds that isn't going to mean anything to anybody just like if you are really fit and you said to someone who's never been to the gym and never experienced fitness in their entire life, if you started to describe to them how it feels to be fit, that wouldn't mean anything to that person because they don't have anything that they can relate to because they've they've not had that experience, they've not had that feeling and therefore the descriptions that you have of being a fit person are completely meaningless to them. And in the same way, descriptions of being thoughtless and transcending the mind are completely meaningless unless we have experienced those things. So the art 
part of meditation is bringing yourself to a separateness from the mind, to quieting the mind and reaching a deep knowing and deep level of understanding within your own consciousness that you are separate from your mind and you are not your thoughts. And the more that we can separate ourselves from our thoughts, the more conscious we become and the more joyful and peaceful our life experience is. Not only that, but obviously there are multiple benefits to meditation, multitude of benefits to meditation aside from only separating yourself from your thoughts you become balanced you have emotional well-being you start to unravel all of these things that have created these layers and distortions in your perception and in doing so you slow down and you become more yourself and there'll be layers of yourself that you weren't aware of if you've never engaged in training your mind you, you won't be aware of these layers that lie within you waiting to be discovered and you can start to reveal those through gently engaging in in mindfulness and again that that's a word that I don't like because the power of what you're engaging with just isn't clear through that word I don't think the word represents quite what it is but when we start to engage with and untangle our own consciousness there is nothing but peace and a powerful serenity in doing that we learn to love being alone we learn to deeply and profoundly love ourselves and there's nothing I, I don't think there's anything more powerful than that the more you love yourself the stronger bound you have with other people the more healthy the relationships you have in your life because there's no space for any of them that are unhealthy there's no room for relationships that aren't healthy that don't honor you the way in which you can honor yourself and you naturally learn all of that through training the mind all of this this self-love and this consciousness and this self-awareness and this knowledge of yourself and relationship with yourself develops the more in which you engage with training the mind because as we separate ourselves from our mind we learn what is us and and what isn't us and until we start to untangle that and I, I love using the word untangle because I imagine, I think in pictures, so I imagine loads and loads and loads of knots, lots of different strings with lots of different knots. And each time we engage in some inner work, regardless of what that is, whether it's meditation or some other kind of inner work that you can engage in, is just gently, someone gently just undoing one of these knots and, and the strings being free. And once the strings are free, they, they don't ever really get retied. They can get retied through maybe something different, but they'll be retied in a different way. And once the work is done, once once you start working on yourself and once you do the work, you can't undo the work. You can't, once you've learned how to ride a bike, you can't ever unlearn that. It's there. It's it's within you. It's I was going to say it's innate, but it's not innate. We're definitely not, not born learning how to ride a bike. I remember learning how to ride a bike and it was catastrophic. Um, my brothers and, and I were, they were pushing me on a bike, on a patio. I think there were some injuries along the way, but it certainly wasn't innate. But we don't ever unlearn that. We don't ever unlearn, we can't ever undo the work that we do on ourselves. And it's not only meditation. I think meditation is a key thing that we should all be incorporating into our lives. It should be um, as normalized as going to the gym for exercise or going for a walk for exercise or what. however, it should be as normalized as exercise. Let's just say it like that. Because it brings about a state of complete wellness in your mind, in your body, and in your soul. Complete wellness. It's not just for mystical experiences. It's not just for meeting your spirit guides. It's not just for some some 
inter some exploration that you may not be interested in it's not for that it's not something that's only for spiritual people it's not something that's a trend it's not something that's just for buddhist buddhists monks or anything like that it's something that's for everybody it's for every single human being with a mind we should all be learning how to meditate in order to have an overall well-rounded complete wellness mental health is the mental health issue in the world right now especially after all these lockdowns especially in young people who have been severely affected having lost things like school and college and university if they've been at home with their families people have been driven to suicide through these lockdowns and things that we've experienced over the past couple of years so the mental health problem in the world right now is probably worse than it ever has been I don't know any of the statistics but I'm going to go out there and say that it probably is worse than it ever has been and we can start making a difference by learning how to meditate and then teaching someone else how to meditate and telling somebody else how how much it's helped us and how much mental health and balance it's brought to our lives it's not going to turn you into somebody else it's not going to make you into someone that you're you don't want to be it's not going to change you in any way other than to gradually unravel things that aren't you it's going to rid you of the distortions in your perception that negatively affect you and negatively affect the way in which you perceive the world or affect the way in which you perceive the world maybe not in a negative way but in a way that doesn't ring true to what's actually happening and this is what meditation can bring you along with all of the other health benefits improved immunity reduced aging all of the things that meditation can bring you, which are far too long to list, um, can be brought to you by learning the skill. And this is another thing that's important to remember. It's a skill. Meditating's a skill. I think there is a lack of direction given. So when somebody wants to begin a journey of meditation, they are unable to find adequate direction as to how to actually begin that journey and how to be successful in their journey without becoming demotivated. Um, I think most of the time we go to YouTube, look for a guided meditation and try and listen to it. And then not really, maybe we get something from it, maybe we don't, we don't really know what we're doing, we don't really know what we're aiming for, we don't really have a purpose, we don't have a why, and I think what I always used to tell my clients is that you need a why, when you're engaging in a fitness journey, you need a why, because when you don't feel motivated, when you don't feel like doing it, you have to remember your why, why are you here, why have you chosen me as a coach, why are you wanting to embark on this journey, and you always have to remind yourself of your why, when you don't want to do your practice and another another incredibly important aspect of training the mind is that because we are training the mind the mind will quite literally provide you with reasons why it cannot the mind will tell you things that will make you not practice the mind will tell you reasons why you don't have time today or you shouldn't do it today or anything like that give you a reason why it shouldn't be participated in the mind is very good at providing that which is why which is why it's important to have a why. It's important to have a purpose. It's important to have direction with it. What are you wanting to achieve? Why are you deciding to meditate today? Why are you here? Why Why have you chosen to do that? And reminding yourself of that. And I feel like that's missing and meditation's missing from Western life. It's becoming less stigmatized because there are CEOs and Marines and people who have experienced really deep trauma Uh, like war veterans, people in the military um, who've come back 
trying to integrate back into normal life i know that there are tales of them there are reports of them engaging in things like breath work and meditation in order to to overcome ptsd so this is how powerful this is this is how incredible this is so it shouldn't be overlooked by anybody with a mind it shouldn't be disregarded by anybody with a mind it's essential for overall mental wellness and there's nobody that that doesn't apply to. Breath work, again, helps to increase our consciousness because we remain conscious of the breath. And every time we take our consciousness away from our pattern of breathing and our breath, then, and become lost in a thought or taken away with the mind, we then bring the, bring the mind back to the practice, which is, of course, moving the breath in a certain way for a given period of time. And that increases our consciousness. It reduces the grip that the mind has over us because every time we're noticing the mind wondering and the mind taking us away to some kind of thought, we then have the awareness because we are the consciousness behind the mind and we have the awareness to be, oh, okay, yeah, I'm not supposed to be, um, yeah, I'm supposed to be doing this, yeah, okay. And then you bring the mind back, you bring your awareness back to what it is, the practice that you're supposed to be engaging with and that's how breath work expands your consciousness and obviously with breath work that you have physiological benefits you see how breath work changes the brain you the when you set an intention at the beginning of doing a session of breath work your brain releases a neurotransmitter called acetylcholine and that acetylcholine travels to the neurons the neural pathways that are associated with the behavior that has manifested because of the whatever it is that you're focusing on so let's say you're focusing on childhood your brain will send neurotransmitters called acetylcholine to the neural pathways that are associated with the behavior that's manifested because of the thing that's happened in your childhood that you're focusing on and or it will bring you something in your childhood up into your into your mind's eye so you might be focusing on something as vague as just childhood but then in your mind's eye throughout the breathwork session you could see a or be reminded of something specific and this neurotransmitter travels to the neural pathway in your brain and it changes the neural pathway it quite literally changes the structure of your brain through engaging in this practice it's it's amazing meditation increases your rates of neurogenesis which is the production of new neurons in your brain so it makes the brain more alive and in making the brain more alive it's got more neurons it's got more brain cells in it we are taught that well, it was believed that until about a decade ago, once we got to the age of 25, the brain falls into decrepitude and it's just not true. So the evidence that's coming out now is amazing about the brain, but it's not widely published. It's not put on the front page of the Daily Mail for everybody to read. It's it's written in neuroscience books. So unless we're engaging in neuroscience books and actively making an effort to learn about new biology and quantum biology and all of the new research to do with neuroscience, we're not going to know any difference what we were taught at school. But for me, it's almost... it's. How long is it since I left school? Like between eight and 10 years since I left school because I went to sixth form as well. So think about how much research has been done since then and how many things have been published since then. An endless amount of things have been published since then. There's always endless amounts to learn. I'm very aware of the fact that this is the very beginning of my journey. I'll probably listen to this podcast again in a year and think, wow, like I've, I've learned so much since since then. And and I listened to the podcast I made a year ago in May and I think, wow, I've learned so much since then. And there's always more to learn and more to expand, especially within ourselves. It's endless. It's absolutely endless. So we are taught that the brain 
starts to fall into decrepitude after the age of 25 and it's not true what happens is that when we live a life that is not stimulating for the brain we don't live a neuro healthy lifestyle our brain starts to turn into mush obviously not literally speaking but that's what happens because the brain's not being stimulated you think about all of the times throughout your childhood where and young adulthood you're at school you're interacting with a lot of people you're doing exams you're learning things you're revising you're always with your friends you're always in novel environments you might have gone on school trips you're learning things all of the time about the people around you about different subjects um you may be going out playing exploring with your friends going out on the weekends going on trips when you're you know older and you can take yourself on trips and then as a general rule we go to a job and we might keep the same job for years and years and years and years and the brain just isn't stimulated in the way that it was before so of course our brain starts to get less healthy and we start to become slower and as a result of the reduction in brain cells we also become a lot more depressed we become more anxious we become reduced emotionally and we we just aren't the same people that we were before because of this reduction in brain cells and meditation and breath work increase the rates of neurogenesis they increase the rates of the production of new brain cells in your brain and they're not the only ways to do it but there are heavily studied areas of neuroscience where they've scanned the brain while things have been happening during meditation and breath work sessions and looked at the brain waves and looked at the structure of the brain before and after and what we can see is changes through engaging in these practices and again they're not it's not published on the front page of the newspaper and on the clickbait news articles that we see on instagram that it's all the knowledge is there for us to read and to find but we have to actively go out there and and find and read it um what i am going to do is things that i've referred to on the podcast i'm going to put in a blog um so you can read them yourselves if it's something that you're interested in but being human is about training the body exercising the body moving the body being healthy being well it's made to be overcomplicated with weighing your food and having to do certain amounts of steps and all of these things that make it just seem so overwhelming and that really isn't wellness wellness is eating well and making nice meals and having things that are potentially not as nutritionally valuable in moderation finding exercise that you enjoy even if that's just walking and connecting with nature and looking after your mind is is meditating unraveling your mind maybe engaging in a breathwork practice and all of these different healing modalities that I'm going to make an effort to make more accessible to everybody so that when we see the word healing we're not left what is that that sounds like something I want to do but how it's something that's very easy to start engaging with through the content that I hope to begin providing and hope to continue to provide and all of that unravels our perception and leaves us to have an undistorted perception of everything that's going on around us leaving us to feel balanced and in control and rid ourselves of any anxiety and make us sure of ourselves and confident and empowered and who doesn't want that and then our consciousness our soul I think the mind and the mind and the soul the mind and the consciousness can can sometimes intertwine in certain things but in order to make our soul well and and our consciousness well and our and our essence happy it's about grounding ourselves and connecting with nature and learning to love ourselves being alone and learning who we are engaging in arts engaging in creativity engaging in things that that make us feel alive and make us grateful to be alive 
and experiencing these altered states of consciousness and exploring them and not being afraid of them because it is what we are we are consciousness we are conscious and the waking consciousness the waking brainwave isn't all that we have available to us there's lots more states of consciousness that are available for us to explore we just have to learn how and meditation of course is one of them so that's how we know that we've meditated because it feels completely different to our waking state of consciousness it feels new if you well if it is new it feels new it feels different it is different so you'll know when you've meditated because it's it's new and it's it's new in comparison to a normal waking state of consciousness I didn't want to say consciousness again but I did (laughs) um so those are the three aspects of of being human and and this is what I hope to continue bringing you so I've started this project called Elevate which was um which was has begun with with just meditation so I'm running a meditation masterclass on Tuesday which is going to guide you through how to meditate and how to remain focused on the object of your meditation and how to enter an altered state of consciousness and how to get the most out of your practice and give your practice the purpose and direction I feel is lacking and when is is lacking when somebody wants to begin they they want to begin but they don't really know how and they don't really know why and and then the interest can sort of waver because until we've experienced it we don't know what we're missing um so I hope to provide that I will provide that in my meditation masterclass which is tomorrow um at seven o'clock so the link is in my bio um it's going to be on zoom it's in my bio and also in the elevate bio so it's Angela Silva on Instagram or elevate full stop with Angela on Instagram um so I'm going to be running through all of that and you'll be able to access access the recording forever as well once you have signed up and also going to be releasing lots of free content I've released a free guided meditation which is on YouTube um and I'm going to be releasing so much more and just want to incorporate the mind the body and the soul in in everything that I offer the mind the body and the consciousness because that is what it means to be human Um, so in future episodes I'm going to talk about all the other things that are involved in being a human so I want to talk about the energy centers that exist within us I want to talk about the electromagnetic field that's around the heart and the electromagnetic field that's around the body and just how amazing and fascinating that is and the quantum field that we exist within and make quantum quantum science understandable and accessible to everybody and talk about healing and what exactly that is and how to engage in it I just, I want to share everything that I've learned because it's been so amazing to unravel myself and to learn who I am um, on a really deep level and to really start loving myself. And it was because I'd never trained my mind before. I didn't know what exactly it was that I was missing out on. And now that I do know what it is that I was missing out on, I want to share that because everybody deserves this. And that's, that's the point of what I'm doing. I want to share. I want to bring people together. I want to create community. I want to just create aliveness. That's my goal. And I don't know whether that's a word, but it is now. So, so, so yeah, welcome to that journey. Um, if you've made it to the end of the podcast with me, thank you so much. Um, I don't know when the next one will be. I'm just going to make them when it feels right to make them. So, um, follow me on Instagram and then you'll know when the next one is. Um, yeah, thank you so much. Um, love and peace to you all. And thank you for listening to the very first but uh, the first of many podcasts, thank you for listening to the first episode of Being Human and I will 
speak to you soon. And if you want to message me, please message me because I love conversations. Okay, farewell. <laughs>